left his throne above came to live with us came to be one of us so oh, to only the one who stopped to heal that blind man took the time to save that one lost man to only the king who wore the crown of thorns so I could wear a crown of life oh and only the one who conquered sin and death so we could be set free so we could stand here and see only a God like seated. Amen. Our God is good and we worship him here this morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church and we're so glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us this morning, we're especially glad that you're here. And the one thing that we would ask this morning is that you would fill out our guest registration card located in the pew rack. If you could take that. Uh, there's a place if you want to receive our weekly newsletter, you can indicate that. Or if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. This morning, we want to turn our attention to our 2018 short-term mission trips. And so all of those have been released and announced, um, and you can even get information on that at the Welcome Center. We have a brochure there, or you can go to our website, manchesterfbc.com, uh, go to the Ministries tab, and then go down to Missions. You can learn about all of our 2018 short-term mission trips, uh, find information about uh, when everything is due as far as deposits, and there's even the online application now that you can fill out there, submit it, and send it straight to me, and then we can work from there. Or if you're somebody who says, I, I don't do the online stuff, Jake, uh, you can do all of that on paper at the Welcome Center as well. So um, there's information in there about Boston, uh, about Ohio, uh, Pennsylvania, Paris, all of our short-term mission trips going on. And so as we get ready for Super Bowl Sunday, I've been like, man, I always cheer for the Boston teams, you know? And so I have to cheer for New England. Even if I don't want to, I have to. And then somebody told me, you realize we have a mission partner right outside of Philadelphia. And so you can cheer for both teams. And I just thought you would like to know that too, that we have teams, uh, mission partners in Boston and outside of Philadelphia. Great stuff. I'm going to pray. We're going to continue, continue to worship the Lord. Let's pray together. Thanks, Todd. Here we go. Father, we love you. And God, as we come together to worship you, God, we lift up your goodness to us, God. Um, Lord, we're so grateful that you are mindful of us. And Lord, this morning as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, Father, as we're reminded of the gospel together, um, Lord, would we be encouraged by your love for us. We thank you for your goodness. It's in your good name that we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Will you stand again with us and let's sing together. Sorry, Daniel, I just totally interrupted you. Let's let Daniel sing this song and I'll get out of his way. Here we go. I will kneel in the dust at the foot of the cross where 
pray with me. Oh, Lord, I pray on behalf of your church. Oh, may we never forget the wonder of your mercy. May we never forget the beauty of your grace. May we never forget the depths from which you have saved us. Oh, Lord, we know that we can never repay you, but that doesn't mean we can't be grateful. So, Lord, we come before you today not as entitled elites, but as humble, thankful children of you and of our benevolent Father. King, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your saving us from an eternity without you. And the people of God said it together. Amen and amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. I'm sharing a series of sermons from the book of Revelation entitled, The Lamb Has Triumphed. The theme of Revelation could be summed up as I've shared in one word. It is victory or overcome or triumph. All of those translate a common Greek word, Nike. And so if you're new with us today, let me tell you what we're doing uh, to help us remember the theme of Revelation when we get to a place in the book where we find the word Nike, I hold up this Nike athletic shoe and you say in a loud voice of triumph, Nike! And I keep reading the verse. So that'll come in later in the sermon. So you're ready for that. Within that overarching theme, I'm sharing seven themes as we move through the book. These seven statements, I think, sum up the message of the book of Revelation. We're in the big middle section, chapters 6 through 18, and I'm sharing three themes in this big middle section. So we're going through it three different times. Last week we began this section and I shared that one of the themes in Revelation 6 through 18 is that the forces of evil are strong and they will temporarily conquer God's people. Now today we come to a second theme in this middle section that follows that. And that is because of that great evil, God is going to pour out his wrath upon the earth. So today I want to talk to you about the wrath of God. And I think that uh, that is a neglected aspect of the character of God. I just don't think we hear very much about the wrath of God anymore. It may have been that a previous generation of preachers just dwelt entirely on the wrath of God and hellfire and brimstone. And so now we've sort of swung with the pendulum the other way and we focus on the love of God, which is great, but we've neglected his wrath. So let me just take for a minute and explain the wrath of God to you before we look at this chapter because it just may be foreign to some of you. And the wrath of God means God's intense hatred against sin, his anger against sin. And you might Say People say today, well, why does God have to be angry? Why, why can't God just love everybody? Why is there this anger about God? Well, let me, let me try to help you uh, tap into that. Uh, did you see the news story not too long ago where this couple in California had several children and they had them chained and shackled and they were very malnourished, just skeletons because their parents, they had they fed their pets and dogs well, but their, their children, did you see that? What kind of reaction did you have to that? Was it just, oh, we shouldn't do anything to them. We just want to love them. Did, did you not have some gut reaction? That's wrong. Something ought to be done with parents like that. Didn't you have that? 
Well, you multiply that times a million, and you've got just a taste of the holiness of an infinite, eternal God who's far holier than you. It's, see, it's because you're made in his image that you have a little bit of that concept of, that's not right. And, and there's some anger about that. Did you see this uh, terrible story of Dr. Larry Nasser who had abused these uh, 250 or so gymnasts, uh, taking advantage of them in his position as team doctor in the Olymp U.S. Olympic gymnastic team? And at one of the hearings this past week, a father of one of those girls asked the judge, would you give me just five minutes with him? And then the judge said no, and he said, would you give me one minute with him? And he said no, and then he just broke through and started to go for him, and the deputies restrained him, of course, and, and that he shouldn't have done that. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You've got to leave it to God. But can you understand just a little bit of how he might fail? He said, I fail my daughters. I turn them over to this guy. And he took, Do you get just a little bit of his anger? Okay, if you get that and you think that that is somewhat righteous, then you get just a little bit of this concept we're talking about, the wrath of God. I'm saying that because he loved those daughters, he had some wrath against the sin. So God is infinite in his love, and it's because of his love for truth, justice, fairness, mercy, the fair treatment of the, of the oppressed, that he has also a sense of intense hatred of sin. Do you begin to get it just a little bit there? So God, in his infinite holiness, has wrath against sin. Now, there are two aspects of God's wrath. I want to show you a couple of verses in the book of Romans before we get to Revelation. There are two books in the Bible that really emphasize the wrath of God. The word wrath is 10 or 11 times in both the book of Romans and Revelation. You want to understand the wrath of God, you need to read Romans or Revelation. So two aspects of the wrath of God. First of all, God's wrath is expressed every day. So in some ways, God's wrath is expressed every day. Romans 1.18 says God uh, says that... Uh, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So, in some, and it goes on to say that part of this is in the consequences of people's sin, that God turns them over and they experience some of his wrath. So some of God's wrath is being poured out every day. It's experienced in the consequences of sin. Psalm 711, I have a verse there with that that just says the same thing. God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. So just like his love is displayed every day, some of his wrath is displayed every day. But there's a second aspect to God's wrath, and that is that God's wrath is being stored up. Not all of his wrath is expressed every day because of his patience and his uh, long-suffering and his compassion. He doesn't pour out the wrath that we deserve. America right now is, not, is experiencing some of his wrath in the consequences of the things that are happening in our world, but we're not experiencing all of the wrath that we observe. Some of it's being held back. So Romans 2, 5 says, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgments will be revealed. You get the two aspects of his wrath? Some is being poured every day, but not all of it because God's compassionate and he's given us opportunity to repent. So he's holding back some of it, but it's being stored up. Revelation is about this verse. Revelation is about the stored up wrath of God that's going to be poured out, uh, that is being 
that has been held back. It is about the day of God's wrath, as this verse says. Now, God's stored up wrath can break forth at other times in history. I think when the Roman Empire was destroyed, as Jesus predicted when he was here on earth, God's wrath that was stored up against the Roman Empire broke forth. It could happen against America. God's stored up wrath can break forth in history, but at the end of time, it's especially when God's stored up wrath that he's been holding back because of his compassion and mercy and wanting people to repent is going to break forth. That's what we're going to see today. So, in Revelation 6 through 18, there are three series of sevens, and God pours out his wrath in three series of sevens. Now, it may be that these are sequential, one series after the other, or it may be that they are simultaneous. The number seven is perfect. It seems like the seventh of each one of these is the, is the big one, is it. So we'll, we'll talk about that later, but they could be understood either way. So the first is a series of seven seals. Uh, in Revelation chapter 6, uh, verse 5 through 17 is the sort of the summary statement of them. Uh, you remember the seals on the scroll that Christ was taken from the hand of God? And as those seals are broken and opened, each time a seal is broken, another aspect of God's wrath is revealed. It is famine, war, slaughter, economic problems. I'll just read to you the summary statement in the Revelation 6. 15 through 17, it says, Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and said to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? That's the first series. And then there's a series after that of trumpets. Uh, we read, and I'm just giving you a, just a quick overview of these, but in Revelation 8, 1, they're opened. It says, then he opened the seventh seal, after the seals, and there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Um, one time I was teaching on the book of Revelation, and afterwards a guy came up to me and said, Pastor, I don't think my wife's going to be in heaven. And I said, well, why not? And he said, well, you just said there was going to be silence in heaven for a half hour. And if she's there, I don't think that's going to happen. I, never mind. Okay, never mind. It's true story. True story. I'm, I'm just reporting what the guy said. I'm just reporting it. So, chapter 8, verse 2, And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given. And if you read these chapters that follow, these trumpets especially affect creation, just as the flood cre affected creation. Now fire affects creation, and trees are burned up, and grass is burned up, and water is polluted, and even the stars are affected. And then in chapter 15 come seven plagues that are poured out in seven bowls. And by the way, if you our stained glass windows tell the story especially the New Testament. So this is the window about Revelation. And so if you look at the very top of it, on my right up here, are the seven trumpets we just talked about. And, uh, then, and then down in the, next to the bottom pane, the seven bowls of God's wrath that we're about to, to read about are depicted there in those seven bowls. 
So chapter 15, verse 1, I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues, last because with them God's wrath is completed. And here's where we do the shoe thing, you ready? And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been over the beast and its image and over the number of its name and they held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb great and marvelous are your deeds Lord God Almighty just and true are your ways King of the nations who will not fear you Lord and bring glory to your name for you alone are holy all nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed and in chapter 16 verse 1 Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. And so these seven plagues, similar to the plagues of Egypt in the time of of Moses and the Exodus, are contained in these seven bowls. And it's these angels who tip these bowls over and pour out these plagues upon the earth. And, And they are plagues sort of like the plagues of Egypt. They are darkness and intense heat and sores that break out and the sixth one is the battle of Armageddon we're about to the end then we'll talk about that later and then a terrible earthquake that ends it all and this is the completion of God's wrath upon the world I want to show you one more set of verses in Revelation about the wrath of God in Revelation 14 9 through 10 The wrath of God is described as a cup which sinners must drink. In the image here, the wrath of God is poured into a cup which God makes the world drink. Revelation 14, 9 through 10. A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If if anyone worships uh, the beast and its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath they'll be tormented burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the lamb so the image is of drinking a cup filled with all of this that we've just told about the wrath of God and so we connect now with our celebration today of the Lord's Supper because do you remember what Jesus prayed when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his arrest the night before his death as he struggled with the will of God in Luke chapter 22 verse 42 it tells us that Jesus prayed this father if you're willing take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done What was Jesus talking about when he said, take this cup from me? Why did he use the image of the cup? Was he not connecting with this image of the wrath of God as a cup that we must drink? That every sinner must drink? Was it not that Jesus was saying, dear God, if there's any other way than I bear your wrath, let's do that plan. But if not, your will be done. Jesus, I believe, as he prayed, was fully aware. He had full knowledge of the future. Remember, the Lamb is the one who can open the seals. And so he knew 
the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven bowls, and he drank them down. When Jesus died on the cross, he was drinking down for you everything that we have just read about in the book of Revelation. All of the plagues and all of the wrath of God, he submitted to drink that cup so that you don't have to drink that cup. And so now we drink the cup of his blood rather than the cup of his wrath. Isn't that a great deal? Don't you give praise to Jesus for that? The one who loved you enough that he foresaw all of this and he drank the cup of the wrath of God for you so that if you would believe in him and drink the cup of his blood that represents his blood, you can be exempt from the cup of God's wrath. Wow, that's the greatness of the love of, God, of Jesus for us that he took on the wrath of God. Keith Getty wrote a song in Christ Alone that we sing sometimes, and there's a line in it that says, and on the cross, when Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. One Christian denomination who doesn't like the idea of the wrath of God and thinks that's outdated wanted to put that song in their hymnals, asked Getty if they could change that line to, on the cross where Jesus died, the love of God is magnified. Because they didn't want to talk about the wrath of God in their songs. And Getty said, no. Yeah, the love of God is magnified on the cross. But the wrath of God is satisfied on the cross. And thank goodness for that because we do not have to drink it. Augustine said, the wrath of God will be satisfied by an eternity of a sinner in hell or by six hours of Jesus on the cross. Praise God that Jesus took it for six hours upon the cross. The eternal, infinite Son of God bore all eternal, infinite wrath for my sins and yours so that we don't have to and we can drink of this cup. So I give you one more verse, John 3.36. A lot of people know John 3.16. We need to know John 3.36 as well. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. I don't want the wrath of God remaining on me. I don't want the bowls, I don't want the plagues, I don't want the trumpets, I don't want the seals. I'll drink of the cup of Jesus. I'll believe in Jesus. I will stand with him, put my faith in him, that the wrath of God might not remain on me. Today we celebrate the death of Jesus in the context of the wrath of God in Revelation, that we might give thanks to the one who loved us enough to drink the cup of God's wrath for us. I'm going to pray over these elements. And then we're going to share in the Lord's Supper. As I begin to pray, I'm going to ask our deacons who are going to serve to come and uh, uh, get ready here. If you're a guest with us, we want to invite you to share in this if you're a baptized believer in Jesus. You're part of our family. We'll be together in heaven. We invite you to the Lord's table uh, if you uh, have stood with the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Oh, Jesus, we're just in awe. We're in awe of you, and we realize more fully now what it means when you said, if there's any way this cup could pass away. But, oh, Lord, thank you that you submitted to it, that the wrath of God was satisfied. Thank you that you loved us enough that you would do that. And we come now to renew our covenant relationship with you. Those of us who are believers, we come, Lord, just to worship you and to thank you. And so, Lord, as we eat this little piece of bread it reminds us of your body that was broken for us and we give our bodies as living sacrifice to you in return for your great gift and as we drink the cup that represents your blood we're so glad we don't have to drink the cup of your wrath
and we confess our sins under the blood that the wrath may not remain on us and we draw close to you and we commit ourselves to follow you and we just worship you in this time, Lord Jesus. Amen. our custom to eat the bread together when you're served that piece of bread you just hold it for a moment and then after everyone's been served we'll eat it together Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. Once again, as you're being served the cup that represents the blood of Jesus, if you'll just hold on to that for a moment, we'll drink it all together.
And Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink ye all of it. Do this in remembrance of me. Remind you once more of John 3.36. Whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. Whoever does not believe, the wrath of God remains upon him. There's an opportunity for you to move out from under the wrath of God to believe in Jesus Christ. And so as we close, we want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. And the way you can indicate that is by walking forward when we stand in a moment and meet me or another pastor here. And someone will pray with you to receive Christ in your life. You can be baptized. Baptism is the ordinance that symbolizes the beginning of the Christian life. Lord's Supper is that which symbolizes the continuing of the Christian life. And so today you can come and take your stand with Jesus at our next opportunity to be baptized, and then throughout your life you'll have this act of worship as a remembrance of that. Maybe you need a church home. Uh, we want to invite you to join our church in the same way. Maybe you need prayer. We'd be glad to pray with you. Let's stand together and sing, and as God speaks to you, would you come? Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed. Thank you. Would you be seated for a moment more? We give now our offerings to give back to God who's given to us so richly, so generously. If you have a guest card, let that be your offering. You can just place that in the offering plate.
join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house and for what you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate, worship, praise, celebrate the supper you ordained. We thank you, Lord, for your gift to our hearts, taking the agony of the cross. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity now to give back to you what offering and tithe and love that you've given to us. Take me back to the day I met you when my dead heart came alive. I was running, but you came chasing. You couldn't wait to take me back. a child before the king, and I'll shout like I've heard it for the first time. You have come to save the lost and last, and you are the God who always takes me back. day I saw you through the eyes of my first child. Let my heart see how much you
Amen. Isn't that great? That's good. Thank you for being here today on our days in which we um, observe the Lord's Supper. It's our custom to do a benevolence offering at the door as we go. So this is a second offering. You've already given your tithes and offerings. If God's blessed you and you want to give extra, this is administered by our deacons and staff to help people mainly within our church with financial needs. And so it's just a way we express our, that we're one body, we're a family. And uh, so you don't have to give, but if you have been blessed and want to give something extra, there'll be an usher uh, with an offering plate at the door on the way out. This is our benevolence offering. Uh, if you're a guest with us, thank you for coming. I'll be at the Welcome Center, which is this way toward guest parking. A desk there. I have a small gift for first-time guests. We'd love to meet you and love to visit with any of you. Hope that you'll stay for a connection group. If you haven't gotten connected in a small group in our church, also go to the Welcome Center right up the ramp to my left, and there'll be, there's somebody there right now, and they'll help you uh, look at a list, find the group you want to go to. There's something for all ages. That's the way to meet people, be in a small group in our church. Hope you'll take that next step beyond the big group of worship to get involved in a small group and, and share life together. Thank you for being here today. Let's pray together as we go. Oh, Lord Jesus, you say in your word, blessed are those whose transgressions are covered, whose sin is forgiven. May we leave here with joy and with a sense of blessing and peace because our sin is covered by your blood. We are right with the Father, and Lord, we rejoice in that wonderful gift of grace. In his name, amen. amen. It is finished.